are in Ezekiel chapter 10. The heading for this is God's glory leaves the temple. Reading out the Christian standard version. It says, Then I looked, and there above the expanse over the heads of the cherubim was something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli. The Lord spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Go inside the wheel, the wheel work beneath the cherubim. Go inside the wheel work beneath the cherubim. Fill your hands with blazing coals from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city. So he went in as I watched. Now the cherubim were standing to the south of the temple when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the temple. Sorry. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherub to the threshold of the temple. The temple was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the Lord's glory. The sound of the cherubim's wings could be heard as far as the outer court. It was like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. After the Lord commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from inside the wheel work from among the cherubim. The man went in and stood beside a wheel. Then the cherub reached out his hand to the fire that was among them. He took some and put it into his hands of the man clothed in linen. He who took it, it went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of human hands under their wings. I looked, and there were four wheels beside the cherub, and one wheel beside each cherub. The luster of the wheels was like the gleam of barrel. In appearance, all four looked alike, like a wheel within a wheel. When they moved, they would go in any of the four directions without pivoting as they moved. Whoever the head faced, they would go in that direction without pivoting as they went. Their entire bodies, including their backs, hands, wings, and the wheels, that the four of them had were full of eyes all around. As I listened, the wheels were called the wheel work. Each one had four faces. One was the face of a cherub, second, the face of a man, the third, the face of a lion, and the fourth, the face of an eagle. The cherubim ascended. These were the living creatures I had seen by the Shabar Canal. When the cherubim moved, the wheels moved beside them. And when they lifted their wings to rise from the earth, even then the wheels did not veer, veer away from them. When the cherubim stopped, the wheels stood still. And when they ascended, the wheels ascended with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in them. Then the glory of the Lord moved away from the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. The cherubim lifted their wings and ascended from the earth right before my eyes. The wheels were beside them as they went. The glory of God of Israel was above them, and it stopped at the entrance to the eastern gate of the Lord's house. These were the living creatures I had seen beneath the God of Israel by the Chabar Canal, and I recognized that they were cherubim. Each had four faces, and each had four wings with what looked some, something like human hands under their wings. Their faces looked like the same faces I had seen by the Chabar Canal. Each creature went straight ahead. 
this almost feels like a repeat of the vision that he aware of what he saw when he first when this first started. The spree row recording. <laughs> Alright. God ordered these are the Tony Evans notes, by the way. God ordered the angelic figure to scoop his hands full of blazing coals from the altar in the temple and scatter them over Jerusalem to purify the city in judgment. Indeed, Jerusalem will be cleansed by destruction as the Babylonians burned everything to the ground. These cherubim were the same living creatures he'd seen by the Jabbar Canal in chapter 1. That the bodies of all these figures are described as full of eyes all around suggests God's all-seeing omniscience. The wheels are awesome, yeah. That just shows you. You know how people joke when a teacher, the teacher would have her back turned and she'd be writing at the board. And But she knew somebody was like doing something. And she would call them out. She's like, wow, she has eyes in the back of her head. <laughs> God actually does have eyes. More than the back of his head. He has eyes everywhere. You know, it's interesting too because our world now, you think about it, has cameras everywhere. Every restaurant has cameras. You know, every building has a camera, you know, security cameras. Apartments, a lot of times now, have security cameras. Our street lights, there's a camera on every street light pretty much. Some of them to take pictures of your, uh, your car when you run red lights. Some of it, they just there. Um, to watch the flow of traffic and be able to quickly address when there's been an accident or anything going wrong on highways and on intersections and this is a reflection (laughs) if we can have cameras and eyes everywhere God has cameras his eye eye lens everywhere he sees absolutely absolutely everything he sees everything the wheels are also called the wheel work as if spinning in readiness to carry God's presence and glory on his chariot throne let me say it again the wheels are also called the wheel work as if spinning in readiness to carry God's presence and glory on his chariot thrown out of the temple and away from the Jerusalem on his chariot throne out of the temple and away from Jerusalem. As Ezekiel watched, no doubt in anguish, the cherubim ascended and the wheels moved beside them as God's chariot throne lifted up from the temple and prepared to depart. This was terrible news for the nation. The absence of God's presence leaves his people in a hopeless situation. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, 
Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.